You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, your boy, your confidant, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network as well, Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. As always, guys, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. I know for myself, I'm looking outside of uh, my window here in my studio, and it is a gorgeous, gorgeous fall day here in the state of New Jersey, the Garden State. Uh, So I'm certainly having a great day. But again, I hope you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. It really, really blows my mind every time I look and I see the amount of people that listen to the podcast and how many different, you know, new people we get and, you know, just different downloads. It's crazy. And it means so much to me. And you guys are the biggest reason that the Devil's State of Mind podcast is as popular uh, as it is. And I thank you as always from the bottom of my heart really, really means the world to me. This podcast episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored by our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Guys, right now with DraftKings, it's a huge, huge deal because we have so many different sports going on. You have Major League Baseball's World Series starting up this Friday between the Phillies and the Astros. So there's going to be a lot of really big opportunities to get a lot of money, huge cash prizes. The NFL is obviously, you know, we're now into what, week uh, eight now, college football, week nine. You got the NBA season off and running. And obviously, you got hockey, as we are now already more than a week into 
the 2022-23 season. So because of all of these sports happening at the same time, DraftKings is giving you unbelievable opportunities to get huge cash prizes. So if this sounds like something that you'd be interested in and want to get in on all the action, I have an idea. I, I know exactly actually how to uh how to help you get involved in all that you go to DraftKings Sportsbook right now you sign up and then you use our promo code THPN and don't forget to tell them that your boy Neil Villapiano sent you and once again a big shout out and thank you to our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the Hockey Podcast Network as well as the Devil's State of Mind podcast Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very focused Devils episode today. I know that I've said in the past, obviously, we're going to be continuing to cover the Utica Comets, Adirondack Thunder, and of course, the Metropolitan Riveters, but not a whole lot has happened the last couple of days. I mentioned to you guys before that both the Utica Comets and Thunder, uh, their next game is not until Friday. So obviously, they've had a bunch of days off to practice and things like that. Metropolitan Rivers still in... Uh, their preseason mode, their training camp mode. They're actually, they do have one more preseason game this upcoming weekend, um, and then they will get ready for November 6th when they play their first game of the season against the Boston Pride, the defending Isabel Cup champions. But we are going to be focusing primarily on the last two games the Devils have played, on Monday against the Capitals, and then on Tuesday in Detroit, against the Red Wings. And I want to mainly focus on the fact that the offense for the Devils has been unbelievable. I mean, it's we, we've known for a long time the Devils offense has continued to get better and better and better. And now it's much more about this team continuing to finish their chances. And in many regards, in both of these games, despite them being two different results, the Devils did, they were able to cash in on a lot of their chances. And I'm also going to throw out some statistics as you as well, because they're very, very important. And also, I want to talk about Jesper Bratt a little bit, because he uh, he's obviously uh, in major headlines around the National Hockey League for a lot of the success that he's had already this season. So... As always, guys, we have a bunch to get to here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast, so let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So we'll kick things off with recapping the Devil's game on Monday night at home against the Washington Capitals. The Devils were coming in looking to make it four wins in a row the first time in a couple of years that the Devils... Um, uh, were in the position to do so. Uh, the Caps are coming in. They were depleted. They have had several injuries, although obviously TJ Oshie and, of course, Alexander Ovechkin were in the lineup. And also the um, the Capitals went with their backup goaltender, Lilligren. Um, so it was definitely a position where the Devils knew that um, they could win this game, especially being at home. And you know you got to find a way to win as many of your division games as possible if you want to compete in the Metropolitan Division and obviously get into the playoffs. And the Devils came out in the first period like, they, like we've seen them do numerous times, putting pucks on net, creating pressure in the offensive zone. And they were rewarded for it early on in the game, a little less than five minutes to be exact, when Nate Bastion took a shot from the right side. It was stopped by uh, the goaltender Lilligren, and then Bastion was able to kind of tap it in on his own rebound and score to get his first goal of the season and to give the Devils a one nothing lead four minutes and 49 seconds into the game. 
And I will say this about Nate Bastion. You know, I was very critical of him in the past, considering that at times when the offense wasn't clicking, you know, I kind of was using him and some other guys like Michael McLeod is like, oh, we have these guys that don't do a whole lot. But Nate Bastion, especially since the Devils picked him up off of waivers after he was let go by Seattle last year, really, really has become a much more um, viable part of this team for his physicality, for him standing in front of the net on power plays, and obviously getting the occasional you know goal in front, the the, the dirty, scrappy goals. And uh, he actually had a couple chances to get a second goal in this game. I thought that this was one of Nate Bastion's better games I've seen him play. I would like to have seen him get another goal, um, at least in this one. But nonetheless, still a really good game from Nate Bastion. And uh, he's one of the few. Um, that I will say had a decent game against the Capitals in this one. Um, when it came to the Devils' defense, uh, the Capitals had some chances here or there throughout the majority of the first period, but it didn't feel like the Capitals' offense was really you know, getting going. And Mackenzie Blackwood making his fourth straight start, again, continuing to look solid and net. Um, but a little bit more than halfway through the period, the Capitals were able to create one really good opportunity, and they cashed in on it. Nick Dow was able to get his third goal of the season on a nice feed from uh, Malistin or Malistine. Malistine was behind the net on the right side, fed it over to Nick Dow, who had just a little bit of an opening on the other side and was able to tap it in on that relatively sharp angle. Blackwood just couldn't get there in time, and the Capitals were able to tie the game up at one. And it wasn't, it's definitely not one of those goals where you feel like, oh, the goaltender should have had it. I think it was just a little bit of bad play in front of the net by the defense. And again, this is where, my criticism of Lindy Ruff and his system continues to come out because, again, as Nico Heischer put it, a lot of guys are very confused uh, at times about where they're supposed to be on the ice in certain plays, and it can get very confusing and uh, cause some um, defensive breakdowns. And that was kind of one of those examples. But it didn't feel like one of those goals where, you know, all oh, the devil should have had it, like all that stuff. It was more like, all right. You know, the Capitals, you know that they're going to come out and they're going to try to be aggressive and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, they were able to get one and uh, tie the game up in one. And uh, that's where things were at the end of one period. So through 20 minutes, you felt pretty good because, you know, it was a tie game, but you had controlled the majority of the pace of that first period. You had a lot of good chances. And if you just kept pushing the envelope, continue to press that the Devils would create more chances and ultimately get some more goals. Unfortunately, the Devils went back to what we had seen a lot last year, and that was imploding, and I mean absolutely imploding, in the second period as the De the Capitals scored four goals in a row, with one being on the power play and another being shorthanded on an awful, and I mean awful pass from Jesper Bragg, who was trying to feed, I don't know who he was looking for, but he made a pass towards the center of the ice, in the up in the defensive zone, and Connor Sheary intercepted it, went top shelf, and beat Blackwood to make it three to one. Uh, the second goal, which I believe was scored by Garnet Hathaway, um, kind of took a shot, it fluttered to the net, it went under Mackenzie Blackwood's arm, and it kind of squeaked through. It was one of those where you say Blackwood really should have had that one, but you know, the onslaught continued, and after two periods of play, it was five to one. So at that point, you knew the game was essentially over that um, barring a crazy miracle from the devils, you know, despite the offense being really, really good and being able to score three or four goals, you didn't feel all that confident um, that the devils were going to uh, make a game of this and, or certainly come back and ultimately win this game. 
Now the Devils decided to pull Blackwood after the second period, although I personally think they should have just kept him in because they knew that they were going to be playing back-to-back and most likely Vitek Vanacek was going to start in net for the Devils on Tuesday. But nonetheless, Blackwood was pulled, Vanacek came in, and the Devils actually, for the first 10-plus minutes of this period, really did a good job of pushing back, getting back to where they were offensively in the first period, and they were actually able to get a couple of goals. Tomas Tatar was able to knock one in on a rebound to get his first of the year, and Jesper Bratt, redeeming himself, was able to actually score on a partial breakaway uh, later on in the period, about 10.54 to go exactly in the third period to finally get his first of the year to make it five to three. So you had a little over 10 minutes to go and you went from being down four to all of a sudden it's a dual it's doable that now you can be in a position to maybe make a comeback. So the fans that were still there that didn't, you know, leave early, we were still, you know, thinking, Hey, you know what? It's possible. And they kept putting some pressure on, but unfortunately um, there was the, there was one play uh, later on in the period where, the Devils kind of over-pursued the puck in the offensive zone. It led to a two-on-one on a defensive breakdown going the other way for the Capitals. And they were able to score on a backhand uh, that Vanacek could not stop. And that made it 6-3. to three. And that pretty much that pretty much put the game out of reach as the Devils' uh, winning streak comes to an end at three. And they fall at home to the Washington Capitals by the score of 6-3. to three. And it has now been a couple of years since the – actually it was um, – the goal, the game that Alexander Ovechkin got his 700 goal just before the pandemic was the last time the Devils had been able to beat the Capitals in New Jersey. Devils did beat the Capitals last year in an overtime game uh, with the overtime goal scored by Nico Heischer in D.C. But as you can tell, the Devils for several years now have continued to not have success against the Washington Capitals. And it's tough because, again, the Capitals were not at full strength. And at times, they really weren't playing all that particularly well. It was just an absolutely horrible second period where there was a lot of just bad passes, turnovers that led to goals and just inconsistent goaltending again that ultimately led to the Devils' downfall in this one. And Lindy Rubb did say that due to some injuries, that changes to the lineup would end up actually being made. So it was kind of curious to know because, you know, Alexander Holtz and Fabian Zellin had not played the last several games, that there was a good chance that they would that at least one of them would get in the lineup. Uh, once again, the Devils finished with over 40 shots on goal, which at that time was the, it was just, you know, that's what the, at that time it was the fourth, fourth time in six games that the Devils had gotten 40 shots or more on goal, which is pretty remarkable that now it's basically like almost a guarantee with the way the Devils play that they're going to get 35 plus shots tonight. John Marino actually had, statistically speaking, his best game so far as a devil as he got his first two points as a devil on two assists on two of the three goals. And like I mentioned before, you know, Lindy Rupp was, you know, he he didn't really give us a definitive answer as to goaltending changes or lineup changes, but it sounded more and more based on what he said that due to some injuries that there would have to be lineup changes. And uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a tough, a tough loss in a game that you felt like the Devils should have won considering the circumstances going into it. Um, but those type of games where the goaltending doesn't do well and a lot of defensive breakdowns um, are going to be the games that could certainly cost us and what has cost us in the past. So hopefully the Devils going into the game against Detroit on Tuesday, they were able to uh, turn it around and uh, bounce back. 
Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. And there's so many different opportunities out there because hockey is, as I always say, a magical, unpredictable sport. You never know what type of game you're going to get. You might get a couple of opportunities here and there, but with matchups like even the big events, like the Winter Classic that's coming up, or any of these outdoor games, all-star games, big matchups against the defending cup champion Colorado Avalanche, and so much more, DraftKings, as always, is giving you huge opportunities to get major cash prizes. If that wasn't enough, excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN, TBPN, or TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Hockey League. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So now going to the game against the Detroit Red Wings in Detroit the very next night. Devils flying immediately from Newark to Hockey Town in Detroit, looking to bounce back and also get revenge for being embarrassed on home ice in the home opener against the same Red Wings team. The Red Wings coming into this game up until that point had not lost the game in regulation. So they have been able to get at least one point in every game they had played um, up until this game against the Devils. Devils, not surprisingly, went with Vitek Vanacek, who was looking to redeem himself from the home opener uh, embarrassment and get his first win as a Devil. We did get some unfortunate news prior to the game that due to a lower body injury, which I don't know where this happened and how it happened, but Andre Pilat did not suit up for this game. And Lindy Ruff said later this week, probably what, probably Wednesday, probably Thursday, um, maybe even Friday prior to the game against the Avalanche, we would probably know more. But you're hoping that this is not one of these injuries that just lingers on. The Devils don't tell us a whole lot. And then several months later, we find out, oh, it was much worse than it actually, um, than we were led on to believe, basically. So again, you know, knock on wood, fingers crossed, whatever you want to say that it's not that serious um but because of some lineup changes alexander holtz and fabian settling both were able to get into this game and the devils did go back to their 12-6 lineup 12 forward six defensemen after they had gone the last several games with 11 forwards seven defensemen and i was fine with continuing to do 11 by seven if we were still winning games Right. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. They had won three games in a row with that 11-7 format. But because they lost in the way that they lost to Washington, it was very easy for Lindy Ruff to say, okay, let's move on from 11-7 and let's go back to 12-6 and give uh, give ourselves an extra forward or give us back another, another forward. So, yeah, the Devils obviously making changes going into this one, and you were hoping that the Devils could obviously bounce back. 
Didn't look like it was going to be the case because just two minutes, 56 seconds in, uh, Dylan Larkin coming down the right side was able to get one that sneaked under the arm of Vitek Vanacek. It kind of squeezed through kind of what I call a softy. Basically, uh, Larkin was able to score, get his fourth of the year, and the Red Wings grabbed the early one nothing lead. And I'll be honest with you in saying that when I saw that goal, I kind of felt like, okay, this is not going to go well. This is going to be a long night. Like, you, you feel that way when you give up a goal that early in the game that, okay, the other team is rocking and rolling, your goaltending already showing question marks. Is this going to be a long night? But from that point, from the three-minute mark of the first period to the end of this game, the Devils absolutely dominated, dominated this game. They kicked absolute mofobo. They kicked butt. Whatever terms you want to use for dominance, that's exactly what the Devils did. And it started with getting a goal from Dawson Mercer in the slot on a one-timer. It was a nice goal, by the way. And by the way, happy birthday, happy 21st birthday to Dawson Mercer, who his birthday is on this uh, this Thursday, the 27th. So if you're listening to this on the day this episode comes out, it is Dawson Mercer's 21st birthday. So I'm sure uh, I'm sure a lot of drinks will be on him for the next couple of times the boys are out on the town. Uh, but Mercer getting a goal, making it uh, tying the game up at one. That was his third of the year. And Jack Hughes, kind of on that second rebound there on the left side, was able to get just his second of the year, which is crazy. And he had come off a really, really bad game against Washington, where Lindy Ruff basically called him out and said he was he was horrible all night long. Um, and he was able to you know bounce back from that and get himself a goal to give the Devils the 2-1 to lead after one. So you you felt good that the Devils were able to respond to that early goal by Detroit, get the next two goals, and grab the lead. And they continued to put the pressure on because the Devils started the second period on an abbreviated power play, and Jesper Bratt on a great feed from Jack Hughes on a one tee was able to beat the goaltender to get his second goal of the year. Goals now in back-to-back games, and the Devils were able to score on a power play just 43 seconds into the second to make it 3-1. to one. And then... Later on in the period, Devils looking to kill off a power play that Detroit had. Sharon Govich was able to intercept the puck at the top of the point and create a two-on-one going the other way. And without hesitation, he sniped the top shelf over the glove of Alex Nedeljkovich and in to get the Devils a shorthanded goal. Sharon Govich getting his second of the year. And that gave the Devils a commanding 4-1 to lead after 40 minutes. So you go into the second intermission lock. You go into the locker room after two periods and you say to yourself, okay, we're up by three. We're pretty much in control of this game. Don't allow Detroit to get back and think that they have a shot to get back in this game. Don't give them any life. And I think most of this had to do with the fact that subconsciously you're up by three goals going into the third. You don't think that the other team is going to push back. Well, the Red Wings did push back. And the Devils just really, for the most part of this period, looked very sluggish and played a mostly conservative defensive game where not a lot was happening in the offensive zone. They were kind of playing it like a long, stretched out penalty kill, which we've seen before. So that was kind of the, the situation that the Devils were in. And eventually the Red Wings were able to cash in with Dominique Kubelik, who has continued to do so well for the Red Wings since he signed there this this uh, this offseason, getting his fourth of the year on a knock-in uh, that, you know, Vanacek just couldn't stop. And that made it four to two. So with like eight plus minutes to go, you're kind of getting nervous saying, oh no, you know, are, are the Red Wings going to pull a, you know, pull this comeback on us? Are the Devils going to collapse like we've seen them before? You know, you're hoping not, but 
The final six minutes of this game, the Devils went back to dominating like they had done before. And the Devils got rewarded for it with Nico Heischer getting his third of the year on kind of a, he got a pass in front. He did a spin around, basically like a turnaround to a wide open net. Nadelkovich well out of position and he was able to score to make it five to two, which in my opinion, pretty much put this game away where the Red Wings knew at that point, okay, there's no shot at a comeback. And then neat. And then Jesper Brett, just 49 seconds later, coming down the left side on a partial breakaway, he had, half a step on his defender he goes far side top shelf past the glove and the Dukovich and in to get his second of the game his third of the year to get the Devils their sixth and final goal of this one as the Devils come away with a dominant six to two win on the road to get some revenge against the Detroit Red Wings and also move their record to four three and oh on the season and a couple of things that really stood out to me about this game number one just a great bounce back win, you know, to go from being blown out six to three at home to the very next night, you blow out your opponent six to two. You just turn it around. The offense goes back to being a juggernaut like it's been for throughout pretty much the entire season so far. The offense, like I just mentioned, was phenomenal. Really, you know, a lot of guys getting getting some goals and just finding able to, you know, create chances and take advantage of those chances. Uh, Vitek Vanacek, man, he made some really big time saves in that third period when it was still four to two that, um, prevented the Red Wings from continuing to try to come back in this game and ultimately allowed the Devils to get a couple more goals to put this one on ice as Vanacek finished stopping 20 of the 22 shots that he faced and got his first win as a New Jersey Devil. So congratulations to Vitek on that. Well-deserved. The special teams was tremendous in this game. Power play, we scored on the only power play we had all night long, came from Jesper Bratt. The penalty kill was tremendous, killing all three penalties, including getting that shorthanded goal by Yegor Sharangovich. So overall, from a special teams perspective, perfect night, absolutely perfect night. Devils once again reached over 40 shots on goal, which makes it now the fifth time in seven games that this has happened. So it's it's incredible to me that these guys are able to get that many shots on goal per game. And there's no reason why they can't continue to do that. And you look at who they face next against Colorado. It's going to be a tough matchup, but I still think the devils with the way that their offensive system goes at times and their skill players, I think they're going to be able to get a lot of shots on goal, whether they face Pavel Frenzos or um, Alexander Georgiev. Uh, now let's talk about Jesper Brett. I want to talk about Jesper Brett. Um, Jesper Bratt gambled on himself by taking that one-year contract that the Devils offered him to avoid arbitration. The Devils continue to look like idiots, number one, for not being able to get Brad signed on a long-term deal. And Jesper Bratt, kind of like Aaron Judge, you know, betting on himself this past year and not signing a long-term deal with the Yankees, uh, Brad has taken advantage of this and has, has completely, completely run with it. As he currently right now, at the time of this recording, is tied for the league lead in points with 12, three goals, nine assists, and leads the league in assists with the nine that I just mentioned. So Jesper Bratt at the top of several offensive categories, not just on the Devils, but throughout the entire NHL. 
as he has gotten at least one point in every single, all seven games the Devils have played so far. It has been phenomenal. He is really reaching now, getting closer and closer to that superstar level. And the only bad thing about it from the Devils' perspective is that instead of paying him something like eight, nine million dollars, that that pay is going to have to go up because if Brad's playing like this all year, he's going to be up for consideration for maybe MVP and things like that. If he continues to play at this level, he's going to be competing for for uh, personal trophies this year. The way he's been playing, I mean, he has been the catalyst for this offense through the first seven games. And once guys like Nico, who seems to be getting going a little bit more, and once Jack Hughes certainly gets going, and Dawson Mercer and Palat and all these guys, it's going to be something. It's going to be something. It's going to be a major problem for the rest of the league to try to keep up with this team. Speaking of the team as a whole, they continue to lead the NHL in shots on goal, as well as they also give up the fewest shots uh, per game as well. So the Devils' offense and defense continue to do a good job of creating a lot of shots on goal. And not allowing so much. So again, this kind of harps on if the Devils are able to cash in more on their chances and the goaltending becomes very solid, we're going to win a lot of games, especially games that we're not expected to win against very tough opponents, whether we're at home or on the road. So overall, I really, really there's a lot of things to really like about where the Devils are right now at 4-3-0. You'd like the record to be better, and I think the record should be better, but the fact that you know we're at five, we're over five hundred, and we're you know getting a lot of really good chances. It's only a matter of time before things really, really start to click. Now, the Devils' next game is arguably the biggest game of the early season for this team, and that is the home matchup on Friday night against the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. And this is a perfect game for where the Devils are right now. And this is, and here's why: it is a really good measuring stick for the organization to see how far are they really away from being where the avalanche are. And that is a Stanley cup champion, Stanley cup contender. You know, where are we as a team? And, and yes, the avalanche are not a full strength. Gabriel Landeskog is out long, you know, long-term mates. They don't have Nazem Kadri anymore. He went off to Calgary. There's, there's these different things, but there's still the good main core of this team there. And it's going to be a tough matchup. Like the Avs are not just going to allow the Devils to do whatever they want. Now, the last time the Devils played Colorado in New Jersey, if you remember, that was when the Avs were up 3-0. Devils came all the way back and ultimately won and beat up the Colorado Avalanche. Ideally, you don't want to have to come back against this Colorado team again. So the hope is, is that the Devils offense continues to, you know, come out guns blazing, put pucks on the net, pressure whatever goaltenders there, make the abs defense try to, you know, you know, act on the fly and try to see if they can just slow down the Devils offense. And uh, hopefully the Devils can cash in on their opportunities. Who should be in net for this game? It's anybody's guess. I personally think we should just go with Vanacek, continue to give him some confidence, you know, let Blackwood continue to just take a little bit of a rest and kind of, again, you you have to go back and forth with these guys because neither one of them at the moment is showing that they could be the number one guy, um, at least at this moment. Uh, and speaking of the goaltending, I forgot to mention this, but I'll mention it here. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood was actually named the third star of the week by the NHL after his impressive 3-0 and um, record record last week i may have mentioned it in the last episode but again if i if i didn't i'm mentioning it here at the end that blackwood was named a third star um and obviously uh he responded to that by having a pretty rough game against washington but i'm confident that he can bounce back in whatever game he plays next but again 
Huge, huge game for the Devils at home against this Avs team. Ryan Graves going up against this former team. And we'll see how the Devils can react. Can they look to try to make it back-to-back wins and get a big-time victory here against the defending champs? We'll see. I feel like I feel like the Devils have given me signs that they can do it. Now it's about going out there and playing a full dominant 60-minute uh, game of hockey. And if the offense can continue to be the juggernaut that it is, the Devils should find a way to get a victory here against this defending cup champion Colorado Avalanche team.